Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Open Floor. I'm Andrew Sharp, and on the other side of this couch, from the Washington Post, Ben Golliver. What's up, man? Not too much, Andrew. From the other couch cushion, I come in great spirits. You know, I did a Reddit Ask Me Anything today with the people at NBA Reddit, and they were asking me, what's the hardest part about starting the podcast or getting yourself into it? And I said, Andrew deserves all the credit. I didn't really want to do it. He pulled me in. It's a huge time commitment. You have to spend a lot of time honing your takes and really thinking about things. But once you get in the game, you really enjoy it. So you're the one who sort of dragged me underwater for that. But now that I'm down here, we basically went to the equivalent of the greatest scuba diving course using this underwater metaphor that you could go when it comes to takes, Andrew. We just spent an hour face-to-face with Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal, still two of America's preeminent take dishers. Yeah. And I don't know about you. Takesman is what what they're called. Takesman. I was just in awe taking notes. I mean, they got off some absolute fire today, didn't they? Well, listen, don't bury the lead, though. The biggest thing you did today (laughs) was buy a pair of those stupid Nike shoes that you have to lace up with an app. And everyone we have Somebody talked to sounds a little jealous, doesn't he? <laughs> everyone we have talked to for the last two hours, Ben has said, oh, I can't go out tonight. I have to go home and charge my shoes. <laughs> Which is kind of funny the first time you hear it, but after four or five times, it gets amazingly corny. How do you feel though? My they're snug. You I bought mean, the twelve time Tatums. I don't do that. Now you just ruined them for me. Um, they're very, this is not a Nike ad. Okay. We're not here slanging sneakers, but they're cool. I like them. Well, listen, I'm trying to support, you know, as usual, I'm on the cutting edge of innovation. I'm the the West coast guy who wants to see how far the sneaker companies and technology can merge. It's just nice that if I don't want to tie my shoes, I just push a button on my phone. You don't (laughs) have to anymore. There's an app for that. Absolutely. You know, we're halfway to having robots who do the, the, you know, putting the shoes on your feet for you. We finally hacked shoelaces, you know? Look, it was, it takes hours. (laughs) If you think about it, how long does it take you to tie your shoe, honestly? 45 minutes? Yeah, absolutely. Thank God Nike (laughs) finally stepped in. Um, Yeah, but uh, it's funny because I was jealous when you texted me a photo and I, I was jealous because I thought you got them for free. And that's the type of thing that, like, if someone gave me those shoes for free, I'd be pumped. I'd be like, this is a fun thing that I can screw around with. Yeah, that, that's the difference between you and me, the, the high horse of the ethics. You know, I don't do these trades. Well, know, right. free gear anymore. Well, let me tell you what clothes. I don't do. Spend $370 on the Nike Hyper Adapts or whatever hey, the hell they're look, called. Look, you can be lame on social media if you want for free. That's fine. It's true. Rogue boys need not apply. <laughs> <laughs> Big ballers only up here in this hotel room. Anyway, we are in Charlotte for all, All-Star Weekend. Yes. The sneakers were not the highlight of the day. The takesmen were definitely the highlight of the day. I'm just trying to wrap my mind around everything that Shaq and Charles said because we got some takes from them on Zion. First of all, our emailers who are convinced Zion is like a cross between, you know, Rodney Rogers and some other no, like, bum you know that what? was out of the league in like two years. Shaq and Charles might be those emailers. Our emailers are actually split perfectly down the middle between because the, the Rodney Rogers thing was some guy telling us that Zion is not as good as Rodney Rogers. Okay. Which look prime Rodney Rogers has a lot of believers out there. I was yeah. not really alive for that phase, but uh, people who were swear by him. But then, so yeah, we've got 50% of the audience is hating on Zion and then 50% 
acting like he is the Messiah. Well, let's just say 100% of Shaq and Chuck do not think he's the Messiah. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't Shaq, like, how tall is he? 6'1"? Yeah. <laughs> yes, totally. And, you know, Charles would say he didn't think he had a position. And Yeah, no, Shaq was like, all right, so what? He's 6'1", six, 6'2". Six, <laughs> and I think you were like, no, 6'7". And he was like, all right, so he's a 3. So who's, who's he guarding at the next level? Yeah. No, they both see a complete bust. I mean, Kenny... They Did, don't, I, the, don't mischaracterize. They don't see a complete bust. Okay. They're just not like all the way in. Look, I'm so far in on Zion that if people are not completely in with me, I'm now in true believer mode where it's like, okay, you're a hater. Like I was hearing <laughs> them just like, he doesn't really have a position. I was going to guard. He can't really shoot. I mean, he's, they're running down like the basic checklist of questions about Zion without any of the excitement. Because I'm still coming at this from... Zion's this phenomenon. I, mean, yeah. I really think that this this one name thing is going to be sweeping the the, the league for the next six this months. One going name into the, thing. <laughs> it's going to be Zion, Zion, Zion. Just like Jesus, 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 and he got game. Just like Shaq, Shaq, Shaq when Shaq was coming out. It's going to be that type of thing. And spoiler alert, I believe you and I are going to Duke, North Carolina next Wednesday, correct? Yes. We're going to have a little open floor field trip. Open floor we'll, on the open road. We'll get into that later. But my point there was, be honest. Aren't you more excited to see Zion in person on Wednesday than anything that's happening during All-Star Weekend this weekend? Absolutely. That's, that's also, what I, I mean. mean. Well, there's a lot there, though. I mean, okay. that's my first Duke-UNC game at okay. Cameron. Okay, okay, which fair. Which itself is like a real, uh, no, that's, which like itself. Like a mecca, a basketball mecca. Yeah, it's a bucket list item for yeah. me. And so that alone makes, like, people kind of grumbling, like, oh, why is it in Charlotte? I'm like, yeah. thank God it's in Charlotte. That yeah. means we get to go see Zion and Duke-UNC. It's yeah. great. But notice you didn't say R.J. Barrett. You said Zion. <laughs> that's you true. You didn't say Cam Reddish. And I I actually said Zion before Duke UNC. Uh, so point taken. I thought that the best point I heard was actually from Kenny Smith. Okay. Who is probably the lesser of the takesmen. He um, is. His, his well, takes, he's more refined. He's, yeah. He's not trying Room to go temperature for... takes from Kenny. He's not going pure heaters. <laughs> but he, he was sort of drawing a distinction and said, you know, Zion is the most unique player that we have seen in the last 10 or 15 years but isn't necessarily the best player we've seen come through and, and enter the draft in the last 10 or 15 years. And he compared him to Blake Griffin, which is actually a pretty good comparison. I if think you I remember said that one Blake. a couple months ago. Yeah. As like that could be sort of maybe like the way that Blake did not age gracefully could be my concerns about Zion aging. Yes. And I think those concerns are pretty valid. You know, mm -hmm. like the, the injury questions are there. Um, but I don't want to come off like a hater. You yeah, know what no, I mean? Get so, all in. Get <laughs> maybe in it's too late. Get in on this Zion train. You are Mr. Millennial. It's either classic or trash for you. you know? <laughs> what can I say? So in addition to their Zion takes, though, uh -huh. we had Shaq compare himself to the Greek freak. He said if he came into the NBA today, Shaq said he would have been the Greek freak. He would have been trying to bring the ball up the court, playing and point center. Look, that's a great take. Like yeah. There's no no question is, about it. This is what I mean. They're the takesmen. Yeah, and he was he was super skilled, yeah. and I don't think he would have gotten anywhere near as fat through like <laughs> the middle of his career. And you know he was still the most athletic guy in the court you know ninety five percent of the time. He needed Don Nelson. Mm. Let him just run up and down the court. You know, like the fastest pace in the league. You know, if he could have been in that. Like crazy TMC system, stayed super skinny the whole way. So here's what I worry about there. Okay. 
Shaq was not necessarily the most locked in Hall of Famer we've ever seen. So if, if <laughs> so, his coach is like a beer drinking, yeah. Nelson, bud smoking type of guy. I could see that going really right and also really wrong. I think it probably worked out better for Shaq. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, it was it was fun listening to him. And Shaq's someone who really has kind of grown on me over the years when he was first on... Oh, yeah inside and it's not entirely his fault it's just that chuck and kenny dynamic with ernie was so perfect Money. that having shaq just like interject i would be like why are you on my tv screen right now but what, since then the, he's grown on me one of the meanest things i ever wrote at si remember we do that list of like 65 things you're looking forward to at the start of the season yeah one of our reasons was kenny chuck and ernie period not shaq period. <laughs> so he has pulled himself up. There's no question about it. He's well, yeah, there was a time there where it was like hating on Shaq was was akin to hating on Reggie Miller. Like that's changed. I don't he's not in Reggie Miller territory anymore. He may have been replaced by Chris Webber. I don't know. I think we might be burying the lead here. Okay. And we're going to maybe try to do an in-person live audio drop <laughs> yeah. of one of Charles Barkley's takes. Charles Barkley had maybe the take of the year on Anthony Davis. Well, don't ruin your reputation as a great player and one of the nicest guys in the world. Remember, your agent worked for you. You don't work for him. They handled that situation wrong. It's going to come back to bite him in the ass. Uh, and it's unfortunate. He's, I've said before the season, I thought he was the second best player in the world. Uh, and he's a great person. But... When guys start letting, that's like anybody who worked for me, I make sure they know they work for me. We don't work together, they work for me. They better do whatever they say I fucking say or they're going to get fired. Because <laughs> you know what? I can get somebody to do what they do. They can't get nobody to do what I do. <laughs> and we ain't been Anthony Davis walking around. And the situation, and I said last week, and it's gotten worse already. Uh, this is a bad situation. It's a bad look for the NBA. Because... That kid can't go out there and give 100% because he can't worry about getting hurt. The Pelicans ain't trying to win. And you see already, I mean, he's had less than three points twice in the last week. That's ridiculous. I mean, the guy's the second best player in the world. He's had three points in the last two games. That's not a good look for the NBA. That's not a good look for New Orleans. Uh, it's, it's, it's just bad. And, I, you know, and I hear all these clowns on television. Let me tell you guys <laughs> something. just keeps going. <laughs> I hear all these clowns on TV talking about it's great that all these players are exuding these powers. Let me tell you guys something. Workers ain't never going to have power over their ownership. <laughs> Ever. Now, it might work for a couple guys here or there, but in the history of the world, no workers have ever overtaken the people who own a business. And when these guys are sitting home locked out in a couple of years, I want you to remember I told y'all that. <laughs> Can we just stop to to take a minute to appreciate the takesman uh, at his finest? He the went, craft, yeah. He went at Rich Paul and then Bernie Sanders seamlessly. <laughs> like, he just, who else could do this in the world? It was, I mean, to start it off, he said... Your agent works for you. You do not work for your agent. Didn't quite mention Rich Paul by name, but that is about as scathing as it gets. And by the way, something I actually kind of agree with is that, you know, 
this was all handled so so poorly at Anthony's and expense. Exactly, right? it, he's the only one who really loses in all this, and like. He well, could have gone out. There's no winners. Well, there's yeah. The Lakers <laughs> lost hard. Rich Paul probably took an L. But he could have gone out on a real high note in New Orleans. And I think everyone who has rooted for the Pelicans over the last four or five years would have understood completely had he demanded a trade this summer and said, look, I'm not going to sign the extension. Send me elsewhere while you can. And I, I everyone would have been happy. And instead, we're stuck in this weird no-man's land where Pelicans fans are miserable, Anthony Davis is miserable, the league is caught between a rock and a hard place because like, they, they want Anthony Davis to be playing. I, I assume they wanted him playing at least through the All-Star game. I could see them shutting him down after this one, after this yeah. weekend. Um, but it's just a mess. This was part of the reason why I was encouraging the Pelicans to consider trading him early because of this potential fallout. It's not their fault that they got back in that corner, but that corner influences their franchise. It influences their relationship with their fan base. It influences their future. And of course it influences Davis, like you very eloquently just said. I mean, let's not sell Chuck short. I, we followed up. And he also said it's rigged. Anthony Davis is eventually going to the Lakers. <laughs> and then he said the Pelicans are probably going to leave New Orleans. I mean, he was, you know, well, he was doubling down, tripling down, quadrupling down. And you know what? He also said, look, a lot of takes here. <laughs> um, he also said, remember I said this when there's a lockout in three years, which is great. And something that I've thought about over the last 10 days is like, you know what? The league is not in a very healthy spot right now. And I could see this ending in a lockout, which is kind of scary and crappy to think about because like, had we had this conversation two months ago, we would have talked about how this is the healthiest basketball has ever been. But um, it's clear, you know, the Anthony Davis situation has exposed some fissures that are kind of tough to reconcile it's such a mess for this to be the leading storyline for the league. <laughs> it's so bad <laughs> and the craziest part is they're playing on tnt tonight thursday night before all-star weekend so it's like in front of everybody uh here's what we've got and you know we're going to spend the next three days chasing around lebron anthony davis katie and Kyrie. yeah on free agency questions that's going to be what drives it and i understand people who want to say oh this is what makes the league so fun. It's the player movement, and it's like the future possibility. I think there's some truth to that. Hold sort on. Sort of. <laughs> I agree. Sort of. But it's also, there's a flip side to it, and I think it's a competitive balance issue. It's making sure every team feels like they have a chance to compete and win. And I think Charles was speaking for a lot of fan bases, like Pelicans fans, like he's mentioning, or we're here in Charlotte. Yeah. Hornets fans. I'm still waiting to see my first Hornets fan. I've been walking around for <laughs> six hours. I haven't seen a single one. I'm not lying. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I do. There's definitely uh, a good side to having LeBron, AD, and whoever else on the Lakers, and the team-up scenario we've talked about in New York. Yeah. That's great to a certain level, but there are downsides to that. Yeah, and um, I was nodding my head at a lot of what Chuck was saying. I will say, he sort of lost me with the <laughs> workers ain't never going to have power over ownership. I don't know whether he's saying we should be cheering for the Dan Gilberts of the world. Well, isn't this what you usually call a hard truth, though? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It's a very hard truth. It's like the hardest truth. Yeah, I understand that. I do think we should be applauding the people who are trying to sort of change the landscape a little bit, uh, <laughs> as opposed to Chuck just being like, get out of my face. You're not a <laughs> the billionaire. billionaires are always going to win. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, it's dark, but I, 
there's some truth to it. You know, I mean, he understands that. He's in a similar position that Turner, frankly. Like, he's the biggest, he's the face of Turner, right? Yeah, like, and, and he's allowed to do whatever he wants as a result. True, but... And he, say whatever he wants. He but, can curse on TV, okay. which I think you get fined by the FCC if you do that. But he but, can... There are no rules for Charles Barkley. But I think his point is, like, the head of Turner could still fire him. He can't fire the head of Turner, right? Well, yes. Technically, that's the way that corporation yeah. is structured. And I think that's where he's coming from, is, like, he understands exactly the same position Anthony Davis is in for the Pelicans is the exact same position Charles Barkley is in for TNT, right? Can we just talk... There's been there has been a lot of sort of doomsday NBA talk over the last five or six days, a lot of which has been reasonable. Okay. I just want to be very clear on one point that like eighty to ninety percent of this is Golden State's fault. Okay. And Kevin, I don't want to yeah, blame Kevin go. Durant. Blame Kevin Durant. <laughs> no, no, no. Because again, I like Katie, just like we talked about on the last podcast. Sure. However. If he were not in Golden State right now, there would be five or six teams that would feel like they have a shot at a title. Yes. And there more, would be a lot more to talk about than Anthony Davis and where he's going to go and whether the Lakers were tampering. I think part of the reason we're focusing on this is because talking about Paul George, who, look, we're going to talk about Paul George in five minutes. But talking about Paul George only gets you so far because you're like, oh, so are they going to win the title now? Can they yeah. challenge Golden State? And it's like, no. Like, let's great world, they let's win. not dilute ourselves. They win two games in the playoff series, right? And it's like a championship if they can push Golden State to, to six games. Yeah. No, I, I hear what you're saying. I just wish you actually like Kevin Durant. You didn't just like him as a caveat. Because right now, <laughs> you only like him as a caveat. So you can set no, up how you don't Let me like tell him. you something. I can't wait for him to go to New York and be unleashed, take 25 shots a game, score 35 to 40. I I don't care whether he wins. Golden State people keep talking about like, oh, so Kevin just doesn't care about titles. Guess what? After the last four years of Warriors teams, I don't care about titles anymore. I just want to watch Kevin Durant go somewhere and be Kevin Durant. To be honest... You were always a buckets over rings guy. Anyways. I was. Just, I didn't take I much convincing. I don't think any of that changed whatsoever. You always want guys to get buckets. So my last uh, take appreciation would be for Kenny Smith. This is what he said on uh, Kevin Durant. He said, you know, even Denzel Washington probably got turned down for dates every once in a while. Yeah. During his life, that doesn't mean it was right. And he's basically saying, look. Golden State is Denzel. I have no Washington. idea what that means. No, he's saying Golden Golden State is Denzel Washington. Don't leave, you know, the best guy you're ever going to get. In, yeah. In this analogy, to go to the Knicks, and he flat out said, "I, you know, can you picture this dream scenario happening in New York?" He said, "Don't do it, Kevin. Don't do it." Well, here's and, the thing, though. I mean, there's some truth to that. I guess so. I think that the the real truth is that what we've learned from this iteration of the Warriors, the Hamptons Five Warriors is that titles aren't everything and that sure. you know there can there's a limit to how fulfilling titles can be in a certain context and i think fans have learned that sometimes subconsciously and what we'll see this summer is that maybe kevin durant learned that too and wants no, to go I, somewhere I, else I and that makes sense any, to me i don't think there's any maybe about that i think if you just look at how happy he is like if titles were as fulfilling as we all thought they would be he wouldn't be flipping out after a 39-point win because yeah. he would be riding high from being the back-to-back -back finals MVP. They, I think that titles matter more to 
you know, people who are obsessed with legacy talk, if that's, you know, ultimately, like, they're going to mean more to Kevin 20 years from now than they may be mean to him right now. After well, you but get the all first titles one, are not created equal. We can just be honest about that. Right? I, don't, I don't agree with that. Yeah. But you, but do. you do. In, your, in no. your heart of hearts, you know that no. I'm right about this. No, 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 no. Because, no. <laughs> look, if Kevin retired and having never won one, guys like you would say he never won one. What do you mean guys like me? Guys like Guys everybody. who are being honest about, like... If you if Kevin retired without a title, it would be a fact that he never won a title. But you, but you would also hold it against him. There, uh, there would be a maybe. black mark on his. Career. I don't think so. Look, when if Damian Lillard retires without a title, no one's going to hold it against Dame. No one's talking about Damian Lillard in twenty years. Yeah, Come that, on. no, that's fair. Kevin is in that's a, not, a I, different not disrespect to Damian Lillard. But look, yeah. I mean, he's not the best point guard. He's never going to be the best point guard in the league during his career. He's never going to win a title. So he's he's dropping out of this conversation. I mean, Kevin, we're talking about a top 10, 15 all-time player. If he never won a title, that was going to be held against him. I think he expected – this is my own read of the psychological situation. I Hold think on. he thought a, a ring was going to mean more to him yeah. than maybe it actually the one that he got actually wound up uh, meaning. And you could say for LeBron, I mean, he's come out and said it, the Cleveland ring meant more to him because of all the history and the local ties and everything else than any other ring that he won in Miami. Yes. And and I think that similarly, had Kevin Durant won in Oklahoma City, yeah. or had he gone to Boston and won, he would be worshipped the way he wants to be worshipped. Yeah. And I think a lot of it, like a lot of what he's looking for would have come naturally. Yeah. Um, and maybe it now will come in New York with this science fiction super team that yeah. we're assembling. I have they no got a, idea. They got a long, I mean, first of all, he's got a long way to get to New York. He's got a long way to making New York a title team. But I guess my final thing to tie this off is to me, every ring means the same from historical perspective. Like, yeah. I can't tell a player how much each ring should mean to him, right? And if those rings in Golden State didn't mean as much as he thought they would yeah. because of the situations, because of the credit that he didn't receive from the outside, because of whatever else, that's a personal thing for him. And I think we can look at his behavior, how he's acted, and very reasonably conclude the rings did not mean as much as he thought they would or like they should for a player who had waited nine or ten years to get his first one. Yeah. I also think he's just wired a little bit differently and is going to be hard to read wherever he goes. Um, yeah, well, good luck in New York. I just want I just want basketball games to matter again. Yeah. I want to be able to watch Paul George score 45 and be like, oh my God, Can I tell you is he going to swing the playoffs now? Like, Let me ask you, though. I feel like I kind of worked through that. Like, I, I hit my peak on these games don't really matter because the Warriors are so good last year. Mm-hmm. I have found this season to be incredibly rich in storylines because there's been a lot of unpredictable stuff. Milwaukee, better than my wildest dreams. So, Paul George, I never, I'll be the first person to tell you, I never saw Paul George being this good in his career ever. He proved me flat wrong, and he proved that not going to the Lakers and sticking with the Thunder for at least this season was 120% the right decision. Yeah. And you can go right down the list of these other storylines of things that we did not see coming. I understand that. I don't think that they're meaningless just because of the Warriors. If the Warriors didn't exist in their current current form. They would all mean more. We would, uh, yeah, we'd be looking at Giannis and be like, is this the 91 Bulls? Like, is he going to just put this team on his back and take them to a title? And then we'd say, I mean, the Kawhi Gasol thing, like, because Gasol has looked good early on in Toronto. Um, Apologies after kind of dismissing them out of hand. This is a new theory I've got for for you. 
I'm going to test drive this one. You know how there's like the post-coach balance where your coach gets fired so the whole team plays better? Uh-huh. We're seeing players get traded so much. Are we now seeing post-trade bounces <laughs> from everybody? Otto, Portis, Marcus Saul. Yes. You go down the line. If you're in a situation... I saw you float that in your Reddit AMA today. You read my Reddit AMA? I did. <laughs> Wait, so, so you don't read any of my columns, no. but you read the Reddit AMA just because you're probably worried I'm going to talk I was, about you. I had to just keep an eye on you. You know, you posted a creep shot of me on your Instagram <laughs> stories. So I just wanted to make sure there wasn't anything shady going on on Reddit. Um, Look, I'm like the Steph Curry of the, of the KD and Steph partnership. I'm always going to get your back publicly. I might talk some trash on this podcast yes but when it comes to outsiders i'm always your hype man. i you know i'm happy for Otto because it did come <laughs> up in, in the context of an Otto porter question i think he had 37 for the bulls good that, for him isn't that how much he had in all of december combined yeah well he hasn't seen the ball john wall just stopped passing to him for about a year and a half <laughs> so his c- career kind of plateaued from there but i i expect big things from him in but chicago it, but there's there also this change of scenery bounce that these guys if oh you're just, definitely if you're not happy or maybe even if you're player tanking so some of these guys we've been talking about i, I think that's I a thing in life i think you yeah. start a new job and suddenly you're like at your most locked in and and cranking at 130% and then things start to level off after like a month or two. So I guess we'll kind of have to wait and see. Otto is going to do great regardless, yeah. but some of these other guys, like let's slow down before we start to sort of like write them into the finals. Yeah. There's been a lot of guys where if you're the team who got them, you're like, this is the, like Tobias Harris, like the first couple of games, it's like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing I love about Sixers fans specifically is that, they looked great for those first two games. And then that online community just immediately started talking shit to anybody who doubted them after the trade deadline. I was like, are you serious? This team, there's going to be chemistry problems. You think this is going to, and it just is fantastic because the flip side of that coin is they don't handle losses very well. And there's like this immediate wave of panic online (laughs) And uh, I actually think the Sixers, the mix they have right now is pretty interesting. And I like them. I, I would put them about even with the Bucks because there's just more upside on that Sixers roster than there is on the Milwaukee roster. Yeah. And um, I just like that, you know, when Giannis loses, he doesn't run straight to the podium, start swearing at the referees. I just think that's... Look... It's unbecoming of a you superstar. You know what? Giannis is the best player <laughs> in basketball, okay? There's no doubt about it. And, uh, he's, and he's seriously, got, he's got Hall of Famers like Shaq wanting to be him now. Yeah, well, listen. this might be a little spin. <laughs> <laughs> this might not be perfectly representative of how he said it, but no, uh, Giannis is ridiculous. Uh, but I, I am excited to see what Philly can do in the playoffs. You know what's great about Giannis? I bring him up every single episode, but I don't yeah. know if you heard his quotes this week. He's saying there's no one person who can guard me. It takes a team. It takes multiple guys to scheme against me. Which is just facts. It is just facts. But this is not what we've heard from Giannis. That's what I mean. He's grown a little hair on his chin. You know what I mean? Like he's he's grown <laughs> up here. He's going through the process of becoming this like superstar, like you know, best guy in the league type thing. I mean, he sunned LeBron in the draft. He had all the zingers about tampering, as I mentioned earlier. He was clearly the best, uh, you know, drafting guy, not in terms of the players, but how he carried himself, and. It's campaign season. I think he's getting out there a little bit more. He's testing the waters. Which of these lines can I drop on the media? What's going to you know, get through to reporters? Because <laughs> you have to position and really get that MVP. We saw it with Harden. Remember how hard Harden worked to try to get his first MVP, the campaigning he did in the media? Yeah. 
Giannis I, is, is dude, hopping in here. I'm going to flip out if he doesn't actually win the MVP. And we we do. We do five minutes on Giannis in every episode. <laughs> it's getting bad. But um, he's not favored no, to win right now. He He's not? No. Harden's favorite. Yeah. But. Like, that's absurd to me. And then also, like, the Paul George stuff. People talking about how he's the defensive player of the year. Like, Giannis is just as valuable defensively and better offensively. And I just... Can, can, can I tell you something? Let's there? not go overboard with the cute stories, you know? We like, have, the, the MVP is clear. We have a most valuable termite Toronto listener. I think his name is Bandito Khan on Instagram. He floated this one to me. He said, Harden has become Westbrook in 2016. Giannis is hard in 2016, and then Paul George is Kawhi Leonard 2016. So if you wow. like, if you like Galaxy Brain, <laughs> <laughs> that race, and like every argument that guys like me were making for Harden, which is you know all around the difference on between a Harden, team. Harden's Harden is Westbrook, except he's 50 percent as thrilling. You know? Yeah, I, I hear you. Um, yeah, you got caught up in the emotions. That was your mistake. Well, <laughs> not even going to dignify that I'm with just response. You. Um, I'm trying to get kicked out of your hotel room. It's, no. They're very nice of you to host. People should see this. We're in, I believe this is called like Michael Jordan's Cigar Lounge in, in downtown <laughs> Charlotte. We've got humidors on all sides. It's really kind of, I guess I should paint it. Just We got wood paneled walls in every direction we've got a lot of mahogany yeah. a lot of maroon leather couches yeah it's we're doing it right you know i'm seeing it at a courtyard next to uh, jimmy john's it's a local north carolina cuisine i don't know if you've heard of it they do very <laughs> fancy sandwiches delicacies i got to go to a jordan all-star party a couple years ago at, no big deal um and it had an open cigar bar and that's the only time in my life I've ever smoked cigars, but it was so much fun sampling random cigars of, yeah. of MJ's. Did you enjoy it? Like, did you, well, first of all, did you throw up afterwards? No, see, I used to smoke cigarettes oh. and, uh, and I cut those out of my life. Well, good but for you. so the cigars, that, that was a way for me to cheat and kind of relive that yeah. on steroids, I guess. Cause I think cigars are, uh stronger than cigarettes anyways. yeah maybe they're a little larger right <laughs> yeah <laughs> can i tie this off with one coherent thought Please. on the warriors era and where we are as a basketball community right now i think that all of this is going to be healthy in the end okay because fans and media like we're, we're all conditioning ourselves to follow every level of the NBA now. And it's okay. not just about who's going to win the title. And we can appreciate teams like the Sacramento Kings or the Brooklyn Nets or the Nuggets or the Bucks, And, um, cause obviously like the Warriors are going to win the title. And so we're learning to fo- to follow transactions and, and, um, and it's becoming this 11 month sport that is vibrant in a hundred different ways. Yep. And that's all pretty healthy. Okay. Um, as screwed up as it can seem sometimes when we spend like two weeks talking about Anthony Davis and nothing happens and everyone's miserable at the end. (laughs) That wasn't great. But I think it's uh, the way this ecosystem has evolved is ultimately a good thing. And then when you remove the warriors at the top and suddenly there are six or seven teams that have a real title shot and all of these guys are the most famous athletes on earth the NBA will be well positioned to capitalize. And, and it is going to be like by far the most interesting sport for anyone to talk about. You're making great points. I mean, let me just 
my addition would be the, the classic win connoisseur edition of like, these guys have played basketball for the last couple of years better than I think I thought any NBA team could ever play basketball. I mean, they've been playing at such a high level. The way they deconstruct that, their the opponents, Warriors? the Warriors, in the playoffs, they've just picked apart very, very good teams, excellent players, I don't guys in their that. primes. Get out of here. They're on cruise control a lot. During the regular season, but we're talking about their postseason runs. They have just killed these teams. They've just yeah. diced them up 73 wins. There's no if, way if we went back to 2012. 73 wins, 2016, that that team played at a higher level more consistently than the teams with Durant have. Their next year, their offense was more efficient, and the year after that, their offense Don't was more efficient Don't hit me with again. numbers. I'm hitting you with how I feel. No, I'm hitting bro, you is, with the emotions see, of watching the these guys this, play. This is the problem. If we go hang out with Chuck and Shaq, I can kind of keep a balance. You just get sucked in. Oh, let's just talk <laughs> emotions and feelings and all this stuff. Let's no. just talk about our gut. I'm talking about pure... I mean, numbers is the a big part of it. The experience of watching them play, has a, been lot of, a lot of the time with the Warriors, it looks disjointed, and they're just kind of going through the motions. Only and because, still, only they're be- blowing teams off the court because that's how talented they are. It's only because you expect perfection. That's a you problem. It's not a them problem. They're disjointed is because they're not putting up 130. Yeah. It's not because, like, their disjointed is not the same as some other teams disjointed. The Bulls disjointed? Looks a lot worse than the Golden the, State Warriors. Are you talking about boiling bulls? Any, just like any crappy team that has disjointed problems looks a lot different than what we think of when we say Warriors disjointed. Like, I mean, we used to think, okay, the dream team was the best it could ever get. The dream team was beating garbage teams. You know, they were never really fully tested. The Warriors have beat some very impressive teams over the, their last four runs through the postseason. And in most cases, they've absolutely destroyed them. They've had matchups that the other teams could not even hope to keep up with. They've outthought them. They've outworked them in the postseason. They've been incredible. I'm going to remember these guys for the rest of my life because they took basketball. I will remember them too. To, be- to a place that I just never thought it was going to be. And I think they've My stood- memory will be more complicated than your memory. Uh, that's fine. I'm we not- can agree to disagree. I just think basketball purists will say the way that they played, the way that everybody sacrificed when they needed to, and the way they moved the ball, how fast they played, and how important the three-point shot was, that's going to last for 50 years. All right. Well, I just think it's ridiculous that you paid $350 for your <laughs> app-lacing shoes. But here we are, you know? Different strokes for different folks. But here's the thing. In two years, you'll get them. That's uh. how it usually goes. <laughs> because, look. Get the fuck out we, of here. We have, this, we have this pattern on this show. I innovate, oh, you play hate. Remember when we go through this cycle? I was the time. one who had to convince you to get on Instagram, and <laughs> which has since ruined your life. One of the worst things I've ever done. <laughs> you, in your, I forgot about this, actually. In the Reddit Ask Me Anything, you told a story about being in Houston and being on Travis Street. And, I did. And going and looking for a Scott Street so that you could Instagram it. And uh, want- sadly... I, I, see, I, what I wanted was the intersection of Scott and Travis. I, I understand so, what you want. <laughs> well, you didn't explain it very well. Unfortunately, I was trying to do it for the gram. But those in Houston, those kinds of streets don't intersect. There's like numbered streets and there's named streets. So you're never going to have the intersection of Scott and Travis. I thought about taking two photos and merging them together, photoshopping it. Yeah. But I didn't want to do that to my followers. Well. 
I thank you for sharing that story. It was a very raw and vulnerable moment for you. Um, certainly a cry for help, putting that out in public. Look, but I keep it real on Reddit, okay? I keep it real on the podcast. You do. You do. That is true. I think that's what sets our podcast apart. We try to be pretty real, uh, sometimes <laughs> to our own detriment. Oh, get out of here. Uh, all right. It's cool, though. You'll get the shoes in a couple years. I'll get some for you. I'm, I'm truly never going to buy those shoes, but if anyone out there works for Nike and wants to give me them, uh, See, that's the I'm thing. into it. I'm an early adopter. You're just a beggar. You're out, you're out here <laughs> Actually, asking for Nike, stuff constantly. Fake Nike listener out there. The Giannis shoes are my number one priority and uh, really number one through five for me. And then sixth priority, give me the Jason Tatum shoes. Can I actually, And I'm glad that Giannis – because Giannis could have been like the perfect – guy to uh launch those yeah, launch, yeah launch those shoes but they're shitty so i'm glad that 12 time tatum has them so when i was in dallas for the bucks game uh Giannis was doing his post-game media and he was actually in a pretty good mood so he was about to go meet his brother and have a little like powwow after the game because you know as we've talked about closest place for dallas anyway he got uh basically ambushed by a video crew asking him when his shoes were going to be released and like trying to pump him for details and honest, uh, Giannis very carefully and professionally dodged all the questions and said, oh, don't worry. But he was kind of teasing. It's like, they're coming soon. They're coming soon. And I was probably drooling from my mouth as he was saying, and we've been waiting for these shoes for like 18 months, right? <laughs> so you know what I did when I was at this Nike event today with yeah. all their people? I made sure to retell that story to every single one of them. And I just kept saying, like, look, the streets want these shoes. <laughs> okay, the people out here are thirsty for the Air Giannis's. So... I'm trying to get that release date pushed up because I think we need them in time for the playoffs. Yeah, we? absolutely. Look, the Bucks could be in the finals. That's a, no bigger stage in all the world. You know, I guess actually most people won't really watch the finals this year because the Warriors <laughs> still exist. But look, if Curry and Under Armour can get Curry shoes out for the finals, I don't see which why he... went great for Curry and Under Armour, <laughs> if I recall correctly. Good point. But I'm saying if they can do it. We got to get the Air Giannis's for the finals. All right. Well, let's move on to some questions here. Um, enough <laughs> aimless banter. Uh, but before we do, Ben, today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn. The right hire can make a huge impact on your business. That's why it is so important to find the right person. But where do you find that individual? You can post a job on a job board and hope the right person will find your job. But think about it. How often do you hang out on job boards? Look, I'm on Scott and Travis Street. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not on job You're boards. You're busy searching for life's Instagrammable moments, not on job boards. So tell me a little bit more about LinkedIn and what we should all keep in mind. Look, Andrew, I'm not that special. You're not that special. In fact, most LinkedIn members haven't recently visited the top job boards. Nobody's out there on those websites just hanging out, Andrew. It doesn't happen. But nine out of ten... LinkedIn members are open to new job opportunities. That just means there's this huge pool of talent just waiting to be heard, right? With 70% of the U.S. workforce on LinkedIn, posting on LinkedIn is the best way to get your job opportunity in front of more of the right people. That's kind of crazy. 70% of the U.S. workforce. Man, that's a lot of people. That is insane. People who are qualified for your role and are ready for something new are out there. They just need to hear from you. And a new hire is made every 10 seconds using LinkedIn. Now, I know you said you don't like statistics. That's an impressive statistic. <laughs> I say every, that explicitly. <laughs> every 10 seconds, 
someone's getting hired on LinkedIn, Andrew, and I think you've got some website information to read to us. Well, get your statistics out of my face. What I want to say is if you own a small business out there and listen to the podcast and need to hire somebody, use LinkedIn. You know, support the podcast, find some great candidates at the same time. It's kind of a no-brainer. Absolutely. It's it's annoying if they don't do it. (laughs) Hurry to LinkedIn.com slash floor and get $50 off your first job post. That's LinkedIn.com slash floor to get $50 off your first post. LinkedIn.com slash floor. Terms and conditions may apply. And with that, Ben, let's get back into it. So, we have kind of buried the Paul George talk. We've been over it a little bit. Darren says, hey, guys, if you remember my name, it's because I think I was the first guy to call Ben Trumpian in his approach and views. <laughs> when I have the time, I'll send in the definitive argument. But, yes, for the record, Ben's inflicting the term- Toronto Termites label on fans from my city could qualify as international hate mongering. Hey, come on. I, I'm kidding, he says, and and continues to say... More like love-mongering, if you think about it. I, I guess so. It, it, there, it has become a term of affection, I think. Um, but Darren continues and says, In the summer, you were both at best skeptical of, and at worst dismissive of and contemptuous of, Paul George's uh, decision to stay in Oklahoma City. I think it was just pure contemptuous. I don't think it was skepticism. We were really down on it. So we what should if, own it. I mean, yeah. So they, he he wonders whether we've changed our minds now. Have you? I'm ready to publicly apologize to him. I mean, I I, I didn't see it ever working out this well. Yeah. Westbrook, his efficiency has been really rough, and obviously that drives me crazy. But his role scaling was something that I didn't ever really expect from him. I'm not sure he's completely playing with a purpose. But he's getting pretty close, Andrew. He's not just playing with purpose anymore. He's playing with like three quarters of a purpose. And that's a huge step for Westbrook. But he, to me, the story is more about Paul George's ascendancy than it is about Westbrook taking a step back. I think, I think everyone on his team has to take a step back to make room for him because he's been playing that well. He's shooting out of his mind. He's been very consistent offensively. He brings it on a night-to-night basis. I saw him in person the other day. He looks leaner to me. I don't know if that's really been something that people have explored, but like he looks like he's in phenomenal shape. Uh, yeah. So he clearly spent his summer after partying with Nas on that, uh, you know, that big like welcome back party, on the grind working. He deserves everything he's getting. I, he's it's an incredible story that a player this late in his career can make the type of leap forward in terms of improvement and and impact at this stage. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, it really is. I think it was this writer named Jeff Siegel. I'm, I'm not, his last name is definitely Siegel, but he pointed out. That, <laughs> no, I, Kevin, <laughs> Larry, <laughs> no, Jeff Siegel, throwing it no, out. he writes about the Hawks and does a great job. And, uh, and he pointed out that this is sort of like the superstar equivalent to what happened with Oladipo last yeah. year. I mean, like, the leap that Paul George has made is just kind of mind-boggling. And, um, you know, you have people who say, I've always been a Paul George believer. I have no, always been a Paul George skeptic. I have but been. I was not skeptical of this Paul George. This yeah. is not the player we've been watching for the last six or seven years. And um, his ability to, A, be as explosive as he's been, but B, as consistent as he's yeah. been, night after night after night. I mean, like, the numbers that he's putting up are like 
Steph Curry, Clay Thompson esque from three, and and he's doing it at a really high volume. And some of that is an adjustment too, right? Like remember my my biggest gripe used to be too much mid range from him, too much tough twos. I think he's cut down on that, and he's taken a lot more threes, and he's been able. It's really hard to be a high percentage three point shooter when you expand your volume as much as he has. Yeah. And again, that's not something that we thought he could do two years ago because I don't think he could do that two years ago. Right. And it, and also though, I mean, the rest of that roster doesn't make things easier on offensive players and like we saw that last year with Paul George and that's where I think Westbrook does deserve more credit than he's gotten um I think people are so conditioned to hate on Russ and then they also see the shooting numbers that they're just kind of like okay Westbrook's trash now like he has adapted and and done a really good job at at making it clear that everything is going to run through Paul George now um I feel weird calling him PG. It's yeah, never fine. really rolled off the tongue. You're, you're not that close with <laughs> yeah. that. But you know who else uh, deserves a lot of credit? Uh, what? Who? Not Carmelo Anthony. Because I think not Carmelo <laughs> Anthony being next to Paul George well, has really helped unlock Paul George. Yeah, and Jeremy Grant has done a great job also. Um, and has, He is. He's a good story too, frankly. Yeah. Look, well, look. And he's another guy who's shooting close to 40% kind of out of nowhere. Like I didn't know that he had that as part of his arsenal. He did it. That's the thing. Like that's a lot of the developments in Oklahoma City were like pushing back on years worth of evidence, right? Like yeah. t- basically taking storylines and completely flipping them on their head. Whether it's Russ, Paul George, Jeremy Grant, right down the list, they're intriguing as a postseason team. The vibe I got from the Rockets when I was down there in Houston was—I yeah. don't want to say fear, but like there is some healthy respect towards Oklahoma City as like a potential maybe second round matchup where like they're thinking, Hey, those guys could really push us in a way that Utah or Portland or some of these other teams that are out there in that same mix. Yeah. Just we ha- we'd have to view Houston as favorites over those teams based on what we saw in last year's postseason. But I think even Houston at full strength, they're looking at Oklahoma city and thinking like that is going to be a nightmare series. And part of that is Paul George's defense too, because yeah. he, I mean, he can lock up Harden or at least make life very difficult for him. The Rockets people said to me, Paul George this year has defended Harden better than anyone ever, including Kawhi Leonard. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's not faint praise. And he, and he's, that's the crazy thing. It's like, had we talked about this in October and said, all right, Kawhi is going to be healthy and very close to what he was in San Antonio, and you're going to get to February and Paul George is going to be clearly superior. It's like, whoa. And I don't even know if I believe that, but I think like strictly by the numbers and what they've done this season, Paul George has been a better player than Kawhi. Um, yeah, and remember we used to debate Jimmy versus Paul George constantly all of last summer. Oh my 100. god, yeah, that one is gone. That's like <laughs> that one's gone the other way. That's like Michael Jackson and Prince. <laughs> Prince won that battle, and that's Paul George. Uh, here's the thing, though. I still am not like totally sold, it's and I fine. feel guilty about uh, it. Like, I don't love it. You you just had a face right now. People can't see it because we're in person. It's not a a video podcast. You just had the face like I caught you shoplifting. <laughs> <laughs> You're like very ashamed to admit it. It's and, tough, like, man. I watched you... every single Thunder Jazz game, and Paul George had a couple great nights and a couple just awful nights, and just straight up disappeared in the in the elimination game. If those Two teams play in the playoffs this year, Thunder and Five. And you know how I felt about the Jazz winning that series and how important that was for playing the right way and all those things I used to always harp on Yeah. about. I think Oklahoma City is taking it to a different level. Yes, and we should also apologize for 
burying them less than four days into the season on this <laughs> podcast. So anyone who wants a fun list and go back to that one. Um, yeah, I'm with you and I hope it's real because again, I think if Paul George can be this player for the next few years, that extends the, the Thunder's window um, longer than I think a lot of people would have expected. And, uh, and that's good for the league. Well, and, I mean, another very reasonable uh, skepticism here, not only for just Paul George in the playoffs, but Russell Westbrook long-term with his career. Like, he has found a really like healthy way to sort of shift, but how long is he going to be effective? I still think that's an open question. Like, isn't it possible that this window where he is still able to be that really rock-solid number two guy is doesn't last more than two seasons? Yeah. Where the efficiency stuff becomes an even bigger deal, the athleticism maybe starts to slip a little bit, and now the missed shots and the turnovers, and maybe he's not quite as locked in as he is defensively this season, his value just decreases enough where Paul George isn't able to carry it. Yeah. I, I guess I have questions about how sustainable the blueprint is in Oklahoma City past this season, but I have total respect for their ability to be a real problem for people in the playoffs. Yeah, um, I, and I'm there unless we're talking about Thunder Warriors, and in which case I think that's a four- or five-game series. Um but moving on, Ned says, you two have talked about the Lakers' young guys as well as the Celtics coming to the consensus that Jason Tatum is the best prospect with Ball, Ingram, and Kuzma following in whichever order. The Knicks are also a potential trade partner for New Orleans. Our lottery picks, Neil Aquina and Kevin Knox, have been largely bad, but Mitchell Robinson is essentially the American Dikembe Mutombo. He blocks everything <laughs> from on. dunks to post-ups to jumpers. Do you think he's the Knicks' most valuable, tangible asset? Um, no, I do not. I don't think Mitchell Robinson hype has uh, crested to the point where other teams are willing to like really buy in. The Knicks haven't won a game in like three months. Right? <laughs> he's like it's, a it's with pretty remarkable. Here's the thing. He is good. Mitchell Robinson is good. That's I would fine. rather have Mitchell Robinson right now than Mo Bamba. Okay, that's not unreasonable because Obama's been already has a stress fracture in his leg yeah, and he's barely sign. played. Makes you a little bit nervous. Hopefully, he's able to turn it around. I feel bad. I didn't mean to put down Mobamba no, there. <laughs> it did get unnecessarily I, dark, yeah. but he's not Dikembe Mutombo. Yeah. Um, here's the thing, and the reason I included this, we've alluded to it a couple times on the podcast. The Knicks are the team that is like best positioned to trade for Anthony Davis. They have a ton of draft picks. You've alluded to this a few times. You've tried to sell this case. I, I still don't see it. Here, just boil this down. What is their best package they Maybe can Maybe Mitchell Robinson will matter. Okay, slow down. What's the best trade package they can put together for Anthony Davis this summer if they don't get the number one pick? Um, it's obviously their first round pick has to go. Right. Okay. So their first, let's say they're number three. Okay. The number three pick okay. plus Mitchell Robinson okay. <laughs> plus... Our guy, Kevin Knox. Um, He's not our guy. He's yeah. not even your guy. He's definitely not my guy. I was attacked by Nick's Twitter when I suggested they trade him. Um, but so Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson, this year's number three pick, okay, and what, which Frank? still has value. If you're the Pelicans and you're starting from scratch, I would rather start from scratch with a top five pick. But these players are not good. Yeah. That's, no, this is, well, you're, painting, <laughs> you're painting a recipe to win like six games next season compared to the Lakers where you can talk yourself into that package being the way to win 30-35 and stay respectable, right? Yeah, and I think 
honestly, if we're going by history to uh, try to sort of predict where we're headed with New Orleans, I mean, you look at the package that Indiana got back, you look at what Chicago got back, um, and San Antonio especially. Like, these teams are going to want guys who can help them win. I guess Chicago did kind of tear it down and rebuild, and and that has not gone well. (laughs) Whereas San Antonio and Indiana have actually been able to sort of, like, steady things. Um, And so maybe that's what New Orleans will want to do, particularly because they are in sort of a precarious position regardless um, because of, like, the local interest and, and questions about the future. All I'm saying is that the Knicks are not mentioned nearly enough in the Lakers-Celtics conversation. No, they're mentioned too much by you, and they're not mentioned <laughs> by anyone else, because they're, I, I just feel like their inclusion is it's dependent on that number one pick. If they have the number one pick, I can see it. If they don't... If they have the number one pick, like I keep seeing photoshops of Zion Williamson in a Knicks jersey. Like yeah. That's not happening. If they have number yeah. one, that's going to be Anthony Davis. We've, we've had this debate, Zion versus AD previously, right? If you're Kevin Durant, do you would you rather play with AD on a max deal immediately, mm-hmm. or would you rather have your big three not have AD and have Zion on the rookie deal? Zion plus cap space, yeah. I would maybe take Zion. I would definitely take Zion. Yeah. Um, not even just maybe. Well, maybe. <laughs> Anthony Davis, you're talking about the, one of the six best players in the league. So if KD – let's just play this out, like – you know, let's, let's say KD gets Zion traded for Anthony Davis. Do people start accusing KD of making win now trades like they do with LeBron? That's so. That's what I would wonder about. <laughs> is seriously like how how much is narrative going to play a role in all of this? Because if it is, if it's KD, Anthony Davis, and Kyrie Irving, I mean, yeah, they people would are not going to be rooting for the like plucky underdog Knicks to go win a title. No, but I not think, that I that shouldn't matter, but yeah. maybe it does. I don't think that's the thing. I think. Kevin would say, if I'm going to New York, I'm taking this big risk. I have to do everything I possibly can do to load up. I can't let, let LeBron get Anthony Davis. I just have to have the best team possible. And he might mortgage the future by trading in Zion Williams. And I'm telling you right now, that would be a mistake. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it would be a mistake. It would be a fascinating choice, though, <laughs> and uh, that I guess will be made by Rich Kleiman, <laughs> for all we know. <laughs> the great thing for you, though, is that you don't have to be a Celtics, Sixers fan, Wizards fan, or any of these other ones anymore. You can just become a Knicks fan. I think, I I think pretty, you already are. I, I, first of all, already am. I would love the Knicks to be great again. <laughs> I'm going to be all in on the Katie, uh, the Katie Knicks. I you're I think kind of like a wind connoisseur, except for things that haven't happened yet. You're like a hype connoisseur. You're sort of a hype beast. If I'm the wind connoisseur, appreciating the current greatness, you just wanna, I am in early. You yeah, I'm, I'm, you're in before <laughs> things ever happen. Speaking of which, Tomer says, "Has Trey Young turned the corner already?" Yes, he has, Tomer. Uh, Trey Young has been fantastic for the last six weeks. Did Tomer just ask a question you already knew the answer to? <laughs> yes. Well, it's a great way to get yourself on the podcast because <laughs> Trey Young has been tearing it up lately. I think he's at like 20 and 8 on 45 38 shooting. Mm. Um, and the, the Hawks are good. It's funny, man. Like, I was really torn the other night. Because watching the Hawks beat the Lakers was a big moment for for my burgeoning Hawks fandom, um, and it also though like I wasn't able to really clown the Lakers as much yeah. because I I think that the Hawks are actually a good team. So slow down. How were you torn? You told me by text message <laughs> that the number one result of any game 
the entire league that you wanted to have happen was the Hawks to beat the Lakers. It was so amazing. How were you torn? Did you see LeBron going through the motions in that game? Like, how... I don't know if he could possibly be more transparent in trying to get Luke Walton fired. <sighs> this has been not a great look for, like, several months with LeBron. All I could think about the last week was we got, like, a pitch to the, the Washington Post that was all about LeBron's incredible leadership capabilities, and it was like, somebody want to write this story? And I just <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to, like, like, email the game tape back to them and just be like, do you want to consider your premise here again? Like, do you want to rethink through this thing? Um, it's no it actually kind of crazy how well he can play while he's mailing it in. Because I believe he had like 35 and 11 in that game. No, like, and like his numbers are great. That would be a fascinating. This could be a, a Washington Post project for you okay. over the summer. Oh, thanks. All right, I'll listen. What is this? <laughs> because I don't really feel like going and rewatching 20 games. But find the games where LeBron has mailed it in while putting up Hall of Fame numbers. Yeah. Because, I mean, you could go back to that Celtics series. Look, everybody could, gets the numbers Spurs these days. series that he lost, he got, his numbers were fantastic. Yeah. And he was basically coasting through the final couple games there. Look, numbers don't mean what they used to. I think we They don't, agree on yeah. That. But that's part of it. I mean, look, LeBron, look, if he just wanted to get his numbers and, and not care about anything else, like he definitely would get them no matter what. But I think we got sidetracked here on the negativity with the Lakers. I think we should go back to their positivity with your Hawks. Because exactly. And that's why I was ultimately torn. I was okay. Before the game started, I was like, oh my God, a Lakers loss would be amazing. But afterward, I didn't want to clown them because look, John Collins played great. Kevin Herter did not play great in that game, but is still great in general. And, uh, and Trey Young deserves a ton of credit for learning on the fly. He's made a jump that I would have expected in between year one and year two, and he's made it in the course of the regular season and has just gotten better week by week and is much steadier. His shot selection is like 10 times better than it was. And uh, it's been really impressive. Yeah, I mean, he was not afraid at all. That's the other thing, too. Like, I don't want to be like rushing LeBron off stage left here because that's unacceptable, but there was no fear factor. I felt like even a couple years ago, young guys or rookies start to freeze up around LeBron or like yeah. you know, they would just act a little differently late in games things would get tight and it is also I mean maybe it's just something about Trey where he doesn't have that you know, he's just not really well fearful or... he's got some advantages when he's dealing with LeBron because he's like half LeBron's size it's like he's like, an ankle biter have you ever played Mario Kart yeah it's like LeBron is uh Bowser okay and then Trey Young is Peach and yeah. like there's the the smaller character has some advantages and can kind of like dive in between screens and it's like uh, the Nintendo ice hockey game where you could be skinny, medium, or fat, and if if your opponent was fat, you just go all skinny. Exactly, you just run circles around them. <laughs> that's uh, that's what Trey Young was doing, and I don't blame LeBron for getting halfway through that game and being like, oh, "This sucks." <laughs> like, yeah. and it, that's it, a problem though. The clock is ticking for LA, and it's really ticking for LeBron. I don't think he's prepared for the backlash if they miss the playoffs. And, like, he's had some indifferent quotes about that. He's been catching some heat from people in L.A., like, why isn't he more bought in? Oh, I'm yeah. not sure he's totally wrapped his mind around. Bill Bill Plaschke, a takesman's takesman, oh, that was finally a weighed in. It was a fire, fire column. It was a great column, yeah. yeah. And I agree with a lot of what was in there. If they don't make the playoffs, he's no longer going to be considered the best player in the league. Yeah. He's no longer... Which, 
to be clear though that's like one uh, you're one of the only people who like really cares about that you know because who else you make your about list it? every year you know who else cares about it probably lebron lebron <laughs> <laughs> and kd and all these guys who are the top couple people in the list yeah they i mean he's still it. the richest and most famous player in the league so he's yeah. winning regardless but yeah but his life's going to be fine but the the kinds of things that these guys care about it's his perception will change if they don't make the playoffs He's been wrapped up in this streak of finals appearances. I'm the best player. I can turn it on. My peak is better than anybody else's peak. All these things that have come to define him as a player yeah. are on the line. And I think after the All-Star break, it's time to enter hero mode, savior mode immediately. If he doesn't, it will force me to change how I think about him as a player. I've been giving him the benefit of the doubt in arguments with you all season long. It's like, okay, just wait till he turns it on. Wait till he turns it on. He's running out of time. He's dropping games to the Hawks in freaking February. Are you beginning to warm to the possibility that I was right about the shut it down in March strategy? No. I think I specifically said after the All-Star break, if they're not. Well, I will lose a lot of respect if that's how it goes. I I hope it doesn't. I'm not rooting for that. I still think he's coming back from the groin. I think that's part of the problem, and I I didn't foresee him missing a full month of the season, which definitely increases his degree of difficulty here and getting these guys in the playoffs if he doesn't miss that time they're the five seed right yeah no and look they were playing well i don't think we should overstate it because they had also started to kind of like swoon for a couple weeks there and they had a a really soft and home heavy schedule early which helped them build up a little you know maybe a little bit of the height by the time he got injured they were better than i thought they were going to be um and so it is it's it's kind of unfair to judge where the lakers are now um it is fair to wonder why it took so long to get back from that groin and whether that was him trying to send a message or him just being old and mortal because he's 34 years old and it's not normal to just like be this bionic man. And I think this might we might be starting to see some of that um, in L.A. this year. But to circle back quickly, we spent half the Hawks question talking about the Lakers. Um, <laughs> And uh, I want to just say that it's not just Trey Young. It's Luca, Trey Young, Marvin Bagley has looked pretty good lately. Jaron Jackson Jr. is has the court to himself now that Mark Gasol is gone. And I don't know if you've seen his numbers, but he is playing his ass off. Um, Jaron is a killer. Man. <laughs> I love Jaron. I like. He's gonna player. be great. He is really, really good. You are the Trey Young number one stand for sure, and I think there's so many people who have spent time telling you that you were wrong about Luca that maybe you have a like, tooted your own horn on Trey probably being yeah. a very, very good player. Is it too early to crown this class as like could be an all-time class? Um, I don't feel like I mean yes, it is. I don't want to say it's going to be the best class of like 20 years, but this could be the best class of the last five to eight. Yeah. It's funny, though. It takes a little while with draft classes to really know what you're working with because... They're so young. Well, first of all, they are 19 years old and shit just gets weird and goes in directions you never would have expected. Um, but, I mean, if you go back, like, you could find rookie rankings from last season, like, rhapsodizing about how great Dennis Smith Jr. looked and how great last year's class was. We never said that. We didn't, but okay. I'm just saying, like, the people who cover this stuff, it, like... Okay, well, forget about them. I'm saying about us. There's a lot of hype beasts out there who are in on every single rookie class. I completely understand that, but I don't think I'm in that category. You're not. I thought last year's class was pretty good. I think this year's class, I mean, Trey, to me, 
the way he's turned it on here lately, he looks like a perennial all-star, not too distant future, right? His yeah. numbers say he's poor man Steph or poor man's Nash or whatever you want to call him, right? Poor man's Nash. No more Steph comparisons for Trey. Jaron looks awesome. Aiton's getting his numbers. I'm not sure what he's ever going to do. That's fine. Luca looks like a perennial all-star, all-NBA player, as I've said previously. That's a lot of I really instant f- impact in this you know, immediate first couple months from this class. I feel terrible for Suns fans because... Look, we told them it was going to happen. They should have known. I mean, we I laid this out, this path for them. You know, DMT8, and I told them it was going to happen. <laughs> I told them it was going to happen before it happened. They had Luca right there. They had all these other guys well, that could Jackson Jr. would have been perfect for them. He should have been the number one pick. Um, anyways, moving on. Uh, Jay <laughs> Adams says, regarding fan amnesty, the Blazers just signed Ennis Cantor. This is enough in and of itself, correct? Um, the answer to that is no. The Blazers are still a good team, and you should just enjoy them. While this era lasts, uh, Ennis Cantor is the corniest and thirstiest professional athlete <laughs> I have ever seen. Um, so I do send my condolences, but I'm going to be watching the 27-win Wizards with Bobby Portis for the next four years. Bobby Portis, after every good game, gets on Twitter and at like the NBC affiliate Bulls Twitter. Yeah. And uh, it's going to drive. I like. I just can't deal with it. Let's this. just hope Gar gets a Twitter account so Bobby can just pop his shot straight to the well, Bulls yeah, front office. He's talking shit after the, these like forgettable games that no one... I, no, th- this is your life now. It's fine. <laughs> one day the podcast is going to turn into me mumbling about the Wizards. <laughs> so it started that way and it's continued. That's yeah. pretty much why anyone listens. They just want to hear your pain. Um, Portland really took buying low to a new level, didn't they? Going out and getting Rodney Hood and Enos Cantor in like a back-to-back. I think Rodney Hood can help them. I'm not even saying that as part of the bit. Look, and there's people who think Enos Cantor can help them too. It's not, I mean, like they're they're not deep. They were not deep. Yeah. So these are guys who have been around. They've played minutes. I think with Cantor, the hope is if you get into matchups where you're getting beasted inside in the first round, Cantor can push back a little bit. I think he's the kind of guy who just can't play in the second round and afterwards in the, yeah. in the Western Conference Finals. But if you're Portland, winning a first-round series after getting swept last year is such a big accomplishment that it's worth taking a, a chance that he's going to embarrass you on Twitter for three months straight. For sure. Um, <laughs> I guess so. Uh, yes, and with that, let's move on to your section, yes. The Lantern. <laughs> it's that time, Andrew. It is called The Lantern, presented by LinkedIn, and it actually is this week because LinkedIn is back as a sponsor, so thank you very much for that's, that. That's true, yeah. I'll be happy to cut you off half this check from LinkedIn. <laughs> I'm you know, sure LinkedIn will be thrilled when LinkedIn, they find out. <laughs> LinkedIn heard about The Lantern, how interactive it was on Instagram. Three of by Graham, here it comes. This week I had a very simple question, and it was actually sent in by a listener um, his name was Slyboy22. I just want to give him the full credit. Yeah. And we're here in Charlotte for All-Star Weekend, right, Andrew? And the most obvious question is, if you were in charge of All-Star Weekend, what would be the best or wackiest addition to the festivities? And I want to throw that to you after we get through a couple of these answers from the listeners first, um, because we got some pretty wacky suggestions, okay? Okay. Um, but also, we should talk about what we're looking forward to with All-Star Weekend, if we can, because we really have ignored it. You've been so stubborn and talking about free agency and all these other topics. It drives me crazy. First of all, 
we have a idea from Mitchell McCullough who writes, I actually thought about this watching Kevin Durant hardly hit the net on a three-pointer against the Blazers. What if for the All-Star game, we just got rid of the backboard? I know that sounds ridiculous, but imagine two hoops on poles. It would make it so difficult to judge distance and all you'd lose out on is trash bank shots and off the glass dunks. Everything is going to everyone's going to suggest having a bunch of old dudes in a modified three-point contest, but I want to see the actual game tampered with. Let's see who's really got the skill, who can shoot without the help of a backboard. What do you think, Andrew? Is that what they should do for the All-Star see game? The actual game tampered with. <laughs> uh, I don't like that idea. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> no, I'm I'm out. And look, to your point about the lack of all-star coverage, the lack of like in-depth previews on this podcast, actually watching these events is really depressing. Really? I mean, yeah. I don't know how much of our audience is actually going to watch the all-star. I think they're all watching. You think so? I think you just got so old and you don't even know how you got so old. I, no, I don't know. Um, everyone will watch. Look, first of all, I cannot. Life wait. is too boring to not at least tune in and see what happens. Look, if they did the three point contest right, if they enacted the changes that I've proposed, including three points, four points, five points. <laughs> that was one of your takes. Where I do read almost everything you write, but you wrote an in depth. A guide to fixing the three-point shootout. And I was just like, nah, I'm good. I know. That's because you don't – I mean, again, it's going to happen in a couple of years. And you're going to come around and be like, this is a great idea. And you're yeah. going to say, oh, wow, who was right about the big things? Solid. Um, but if they fix that event, it would be great. The dunk contest, I don't care who's in it. I am always looking forward to the dunk contest. You will never convince me it won't be fun. This kid Bridges from Charlotte can freaking fly. Uh-huh. 100%. I can't wait to see him. And DSJ – before he goes to China, he should win a dunk contest. <laughs> Miles Bridges will be great. That's the, I didn't know that DSJ was in it. They, they have the someone. Headliner. Someone is super random. Um, uh, Hamadou Diallo. Yeah, <laughs> Hamadou Diallo, who I know. The only reason I know of him is because like when he was declaring, people were like, yeah, Kentucky would be fine if he goes. Look, it's a bad sign. And he's, did, he's done okay in OKC, actually. Look, it's a really bad sign this year for All-Star Weekend in general. The dunk contest judges are going to need name tags yeah because they're not they didn't get the the a-listers this year and frankly the dunk contest participants with diallo they're probably going to need some name tags for those guys too nevertheless Look, i'm still excited if you it. can dunk just i don't care if you're famous like if hamadou diallo can dunk i'll be thrilled that he's part of it um oh, okay but just and officially... they should also have james white in every single dunk <laughs> contest well maybe he can make a dunk if we let him in 10 years <laughs> yeah. in a row his appearance never quite lived up to the hype but i believe in so it. so your official ruling for the lantern was they should use backboards Yes. Okay, thank you. All right, number two Glad here. I didn't settle these important issues. It's coming from Nashish14. He writes, We need a Big Brother-style mic and camera setup for all the sneaker and agency parties, only it needs to be interrupted every five to ten minutes by a pre-recording of Brent Musburger saying, You are looking live at tampering, folks. Seeing, <laughs> <laughs> seeing as this is how the NBA sausage is made, I think the TV show should temporarily be titled Sausage Fest, but I'm open to suggestions for improvement. So should we get a, I don't know if this is going to be on Uninterrupted or ESPN Plus, you know, who's ever pitching these boardroom shows or, you know, the barbershop shows. Should we get Sausage Fest live? Definitely <laughs> <laughs> we should not call it that. Um, yeah, look, I would watch that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to get like, 
the the rights to the really good like x-rated footage (laughs) whatever this guy is looking for uh i will say it it reminds me of that time i we talked about it on podcast at the time but back in all-star new orleans i went to the the beats party oh yeah and um you were balling on one side of the room was yeah i have no plans to go to any parties while i'm down here i'm gonna be in my room charging my shoes just like ben (laughs) (laughs) but you won't be because you're not gonna get it for two years Uh, yeah uh on one side of the room was lebron and john wall and uh i don't know whether john wall had signed with clutch at that point i can't remember but uh on the other side of the room was Kevin Durant and DeAndre Jordan, and they just were kind of like joined at the hip for the entire night. And guess who is now on the Knicks? DeAndre mm-hmm. Jordan. And a lot of people have mentioned that they are best friends. The recruiting so, tool. So it's actually it's all a, connected. So it's a bigger deal that they got DeAndre Jordan, an All NBA center, who's best friends with Kevin Durant, rather than Mitchell Robinson, the next uh, Dikembe Mutombo, the American Dikembe, <laughs> or is having both. I don't know. It was four blocks the other night. We're speaking to me from Mitchell Robinson. All right. The last lantern answer. We have. It's from uh, Giz Legauta. Now, we also had a bunch of uh, people who wanted a one-on-one tournament. We had a bunch of people who wanted King of the Mountain and all these other different games, right? He said, though, inspired by the new trend of wine tasting, driven by the likes of LeBron James, CJ McCollum, and more, I would like to see a wine-drinking competition to cap off All-Star Weekend. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably going to happen behind closed doors in players-only parties, but let's televise it. So what about she- what about Charles? Do you think Charles could win the wine drinking competition? That so here's the thing. I thought they were that that was going in like an amateur sommelier direction, <laughs> which I think would be a great way to make people just hate basketball because right now half the league is making like two hundred million dollars. Nobody cares about the team they play for, and then if everyone showed up at, at All Star Weekend and entered a sommelier and a refused to enter the dunk contest, but like every superstar entered a sommelier competition. That would be a real issue for the league. However, just a if we're talking volume, yeah. a wine drinking competition <laughs> among NBA could be players, amazing. But just among the TNT guys, let's just see Shaq and Charles go at it. I would, I would pay good money if there were a pay per view channel to see a wine drinking competition. I would be in. What can I tell you about the lantern? You're in on the lantern. You love these answers these guys have. I'm sincerely not. Uh, <laughs> one-on-one competition, who wins? KD? Yeah, it probably does. I think KD is the best. Defensively. I think he's the Paul best George, two-way guy though. with the length. Could you imagine KD versus Paul George See, in the here, finals? So here's the thing. I and mean, this goes back to like my expectations for Paul George. I've seen Paul George play Kevin Durant a lot in USA basketball practices. KD owns everybody on that court. Yeah. Well, and Durant's handle is still significantly better than Paul George's. Um, I would love to see it. I think it's a great idea. I mean, it's. I would also love to well, see either that or the wine drinking competition. One of them will have to be implemented. Don't forget about the sausage. Let's fest. talk to Adam <laughs> <laughs> this weekend. Uh, don't forget about the sausage fest. Another one that people uh, said: Imagine if we could vote for who had to be in the dunk contest. Oh, and be... so then you you would have to like actively decline after being selected you, you would be voted in and then you'd be the you'd bad be guy you're pressured who would, into it who yeah. would like come up with oh yeah my uh my hamstring you know <laughs> you have to come up with some excuse that would be pretty awesome right it would be awesome by the way you know i think lebron is still good enough to win one-on-one probably i think katie beats him mm, maybe this is great radio yeah <laughs> <laughs>
All right. <laughs> Look, we're, we're going to go back. We're going to study under the masters of Shaq and Chuck a little bit harder. Maybe we'll come back we next year. We have a lot to learn. And we'll be on their level. But until then, guys, you can email us, openfloormail at gmail.com, openfloormail at gmail.com. You can also check us out uh, on Apple Podcasts by searching for Open Floor. That's two words. Find our page. Scroll down. It will say rate and review. Tap five stars for us. It helps us spread the word. It's just that easy. It's not difficult. Please help us out. You can check me out on Instagram at ben.golfer so you can participate in the incredible Lantern segment. We got like 60 or 65 uh, replies today, Andrew. It's incredible. The outpouring of support we're getting from uh, the people who clearly are big fans of the LinkedIn sponsorship and want that (laughs) to continue. Also, we're on the world-famous radio.com slash open floor so you can check us out there. Hey, Andrew, until about 10 minutes from now when we're going to go find some trouble to get into or charge our sneakers, (laughs) I will talk to you. All right, man.